This episode of the NFT Stories podcast is supported by Own Every Word, a comedy NFT project minting every word as a one-of-one NFT with a hilarious definition, where the words can then be used on game shows for more NFT prizes. I'm a partner in this project. I'm really proud of it. So to learn more, go to ownevryword.com. And as always, this is not financial advice, so only buy in if you dig it. Hi, I'm Phil Ranta, the host of NFT Stories Podcast. Every week we tell another story from this multi-billion dollar market alongside the artists, collectors, companies, and entrepreneurs that are making it all happen. This episode is going to be a bit different. I had the honor of speaking to Mac Flavel, co-founder of the first explosively popular NFT project, CryptoKitties. He worked on Top Shot and worked on Stoner Cats. Unlike our regular episodes that are edited, sans a few pops and clicks, you're going to hear our full chat from Mac's side on how the modern day NFT industry was born through his work today with Big Head Club. Warning, Mac is an exceptionally charming speaker, but he does casually swear, and for the first time on this podcast, you'll hear me swear as well. If that offends you, please skip to the next episode. So here he is, in his own words, the kiddies part of Crypto Kitties, Mac Flavel. Mac Flavel, thank you so much for joining the NFT Stories podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, the past 10 years, I I think to say the least, have been quite a ride for you. You started, you were a VP of BizDev at Tapstream, you were a marketing guy, you were a product and partnerships guy, and now people are calling you the godfather of NFTs. There's a lot of names on a lot of websites for you. you, Were you always a product and partnerships guy? No, no. I've I spent more time and had more jobs um, like flipping burgers, doing minimum wage shit than anything else. <laughs> sure, I've been fired from more minimum wage jobs than anybody else has had in their life, like dozens <laughs> of those motherfuckers. Uh, and then I really like making games a lot. I really like games, and so I spent a long time thinking of myself just as a game designer. Um, but I guess um, I talk pretty too, so. Sometimes they let me sell things. I worked at an oil change, though, to be clear, and had the worst sales nine out of the, like, ten months of the whole team on the floor. But I can also convince the NBA to put LeBron James on the blockchain, you know? Well, there you go. So you can talk pretty, but when it comes to blockchain stuff, maybe not so much in terms of, like, hey, I checked your oil and you need a new oil filter, too. So buy this on top of that. That's exactly right. But I... I I was really impressed watching some of my peers that oil change. The, mm-hmm. There's this one dude named Steve, and Steve, like, not to be mean, but Steve was not a pretty man. Steve sure. was conventionally unattractive. And mm-hmm. Steve was the best salesperson I have ever met in my life. To the point where after I tried to sell them the fucking air filter, as you know, yeah. they'd be like, like the, first they'd say no, and then they'd get mad because they just like didn't like my approach. Steve would go in and get them to say yes after I had turned them from a zero to like a minus 10. It was crazy. Steve was also an asshole for what it's worth. but Well, you kind of have to be a little bit, right? If you're trying to sell people air filters when you know they just came in from Manola change, you, you can't be shameless, right? That's That may be part of it. That may be part of it. Yep. 
So you went from that to somehow you went from oil change, flipping burgers and getting fired. You did make your way into legit technology though. Was that always because you were a game developer on the side and you worked your way through to kind of work up or how'd you get into that? I was working at Future Shop, which was Canada's version of Best Buy selling Mm. cameras because they used to sell digital cameras before these phones blew up. And, uh... I said to my friend, I was like, I just want to make video games. And he's like, why don't you go to video game school? And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. <laughs> so, oh, actually, before that, man, mm. I never get to tell these parts of the story. But um, I used to throw rap shows in Vancouver on Monday nights, nice. which is a recipe for failure, I promise you. Monday but night rap shows? That sounds Monday like night it. live at the Lamplighter. <laughs> There's like one wow. person who will ever hear this podcast who will know what I'm talking about. Louvins and Cass <laughs> pioneered that shit. Monday Night Live at the Lamplighter, and I was throwing, I was hosting a battle, and I needed a DJ, and I also mm. needed a job at the time because I didn't sure. have one. Sure, sure. Uh, but I went to this guy's house, and I like somebody was like, "He's a DJ. You should go meet him." So I went and met him, and I was like, "Yeah, like I'm doing a rap battle, and we need somebody to, you know, play instrumentals or whatever." Mm-hmm. And we're hanging out and talking, and I was like, "Also, what do you like?" do for a living i started, i could tell that it was interesting things happening and it wasn't that interesting he provided tech support for um a like real estate SaaS platform hmm. so okay. if you're a real estate agent you could pay this company ten dollars a month or thirty dollars a month and have a sort of cool website with customizable css and blah, 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 blah. and i ended up working for him uh and that's how i actually got into technology career-wise but then i quit that shit went to future shop which is the Best Buy thing, and then mm-hmm. went and did the video games. Then I went and worked at EA, and then after working at EA for six months as a junior producer or whatever, like a little midget guy, they said, oh, no, I my mentor said to me, you should quit your job and come work for me. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's really exciting. He worked at home. He was an independent game designer and consultant, and it was like really interesting. And I went and worked for him. And three months later, he fired me, and then I was an asshole who had been a junior game designer at EA for sure. six months, which is, like, worse than having not worked there. Right. And the day, I'm pretty sure, it starts to blur, but I'm pretty sure the day after he fired me, my wife told me she was pregnant for the first time. Oh, my gosh. And then the day after that, like, not even lying, it was 2008, and the world economy crashed. Uh, Jeez. And everything went to fuck. It was really, really bad. Yeah. And so... I spent the summer, uh, oh no, uh, yeah, anyhow, I ended up going to school for programming. I went back to school, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go learn, because my wife, she's like, I'm so fucking sick of you talking about if you could just convince somebody to build something, just shut up and learn how to build it. Sure. And I was like, you're right, she's usually right, and I was like, you're right, Uh, and so I went and did a semester of programming. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that summer, I ended up almost laundering money for the Russian mob, which is a whole weird tangent. And I was going to say, can you even go into that, or is somebody still yeah, going to yeah, knock yeah. you I off for tell that? You, no, no, I, <laughs> I, I will tell you that story after. Uh, sure. And then I went back to programming school, and I got there on the first day, and there was like a quiz. And you weren't supposed to know. They just wanted to like see what you knew. Yeah. But I remember like aggressively standing up and kind of pushing my chair back and being like, this is fucking dumb. I'm out of here. 
And I left because I, I just couldn't do it. I'm yeah. not an engineer. I don't have the continuity of thought required, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went to the marketing uh, department and I was like, I really like, I would really like to be a marketing student. I'm, I'm not very good at programming. Please let me be marketing. And they were like, yeah, that's awesome. You seem really nice and that's really cool. But um, the deadline was like two weeks ago. Like right. you, you objectively can't do this. And I was like, oh, I hear you, but you don't hear me. Like you have to let me in, please, please, mm-hmm. please. And I begged and I pleaded and they fucking did. And then I spent a semester wow. marketing. Mm-hmm. And then while I was doing that, while I was doing that, there was like an incubator here in Vancouver before, mm-hmm. before it might have even been before Y Combinator. It was sure shit before incubators were everywhere. Like this was right. a very unusual thing. And I met those people and I was like, oh man, like they will give you money. They will invest <laughs> in your business. Right. If you can like do a startup, I fucking hate the word do a startup, not build a business. Mm-hmm. But that was the language used at the time. Sure. And uh, so I spent like a number of months trying to convince them that I wasn't fucking useless. And the thing mm-hmm. was, I was useless. Like couldn't, couldn't, uh, I just didn't know how to do anything that was relevant right. to a startup. But I just, uh, I started helping them organize their events. That was one mm-hmm. place where I was like, oh yeah, no, I can, I can like, well, help organize events. Yeah, the and rap show history, right? Rap show history, together. right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, totally, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I spent six months doing that, and then they did their next cohort, and I found a technical co-founder who was an awesome guy named Ben through a speed dating co-founder speed dating that I probably helped organize through them actually. Mm-hmm. But I met Ben, and then we went to them, and we finally had like you know I had somebody who could build something. We had something that resembled a vision, and I had proven that I could at least do what I said I could do. I didn't say I could do much, but I could at least do what I said I would do. Mm-hmm. And we started a company called Compass Engine. And then we fucked that one up. And that was how I actually got into this fucking ridiculous world. There we go. Well, that's quite a journey. <laughs> but it sounds like through all those failures, you at least kind of picked up... If this was a role-playing game, then you picked up little traits along the way that would all feed into this, I would say, renegade attitude you need to have in order for you to say, you know what, the blockchain's a thing. That's something that exists. Why don't we put cats, interactive cats on there you can breed and people can buy on ETH? So what? how did that... First of all, when did the blockchain get on your radar? When's the first time you remember hearing about it? Uh, the actual, actual first time... I mean, maybe I heard like the word Bitcoin or something, but it mm-hmm. was... It was honestly probably like the launch of... Ethereum, because okay. a guy named Bernd, who's another mentor of mine, I really believe in like finding people to look up to, yeah, and 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 staying in touch with those people. And I'm very sad by the number of people I meet who are like, "Oh, I'm too old to have a mentor." And I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. you mean you're fucking dying? <laughs> like, what? Is, what? Right. What does that mean? I'm too old to have a mentor." <laughs> the amount of ego or sadness tied into that statement I find disheartening. Sure, uh, but. Very smart guy named Baron Patak. Love him to death. He's amazing. And he told me... I remember because I didn't understand it all. Like, I didn't understand mm-hmm. blockchains. I sure shit didn't understand Ethereum. I didn't understand wallets. <laughs> it's too bad because he got me curious. And so, mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, all right, I'm going to go buy some of this Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. 
And if I had, like, we would have had a very <laughs> I had the same thing. thing. When I was in 2012, somebody told me about Bitcoin, and I got to the screen where you had to put in your social security number, and I went, this feels like a scam, and I left. <laughs> yeah, I, I hit, I don't think MetaMask was around at the time. Like, consensus yeah. probably wasn't even around. But right. whatever the sort of wallet that you were supposed to use, I wasn't able to figure out. I'm honestly not that good at computers. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't. But then, um, so... While I was at Tapstream, it's funny that you found that. Uh, Tapstream is run by Ben and Slavin. They rule. And mm-hmm. um, they eventually, they kind of fired me. Uh, not directly, <laughs> it seems but to like, be a theme. Like, yeah, no, it totally <laughs> is. Uh, and, and that's fine. They, yeah. That one's funny because they, they said to me when I worked there, they were like, we need to hire a salesperson. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So we called this guy named Michael Zygman, and he was the shit. And we hired him as a junior sales guy. And like three months later, Ben and Slavin were like, you know what? We've been running this business. We haven't taken a salary in two years. We need to go make some money for ourselves. Like we Mm -hmm. have to stop funding this out of pocket. And so we need a new CEO. And it's not you, Mac. It's Mike. And I was like, uh, yeah, I get it, actually. That that makes sense to me. And so they made him my boss, which was totally fine. Mm -hmm. Him and me uh, are like, well, and then like three months later, he had to fire me. And that totally sucked for him. Didn't suck that much. For I can me. imagine. It sucked a lot yeah. for him. Uh, but we're still friends to this day. Like I hang out with mm-hmm. him once a month, and we go. Well, he doesn't drink beer, but I go drink beer and we talk about his motorcycle and shit. He's awesome. Sure. Um, but while I was there, I got really excited about VR, mm-hmm. and so I started a newsletter about VR called Hammer and Tusk, mm-hmm. uh, because in Alice in Wonderland. The oysters that get drawn out of the ocean are drawn out by the walrus and the carpenter. And the tools mm-hmm. of the walrus and the carpenter are the hammer and the tusk. Nice. So I was like, we're going to capture the minds of children with VR. Therefore, we should call this the hammer and tusk. Mm-hmm. Ignoring the fact that the walrus and the carpenter actually fucking eat the oysters. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I built that out a little bit. And it was like mm-hmm. almost something. And then yeah. I called a very old friend of mine named Roham. And I was like, dude, I want to come work at your crazy ass business that mm-hmm. nobody fucking understands and after putting me through the ringer they eventually gave me a job spent a couple of years at axiom zen trying to um, invent meaningful consumer applications ephemeral messaging games mm-hmm. emoji translators emoji language learners emoji browsers sticker apps all sorts of shit, like dozens and dozens of apps we made, location-based nice. games. Mm-hmm. None of them fucking worked. And then in the summer of 2017, he was like, how do you feel about the blockchain? And I said, the blockchain fucking sucks. For <laughs> losers who hate the banks and hate their governments. Yep. They are all suck. He was like, well, it's cute that you have an opinion, but your new job is to make the blockchain fun. Wow. And I was like, no. Okay. And he was like, yes. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so then, then I was like, let's make cats fuck. There we go. So yeah. you had this, this kind of successful roadmap thrust upon you, right? Like, like this is like somebody saying, Hey, we've, we're, we're Google. We just bought this little thing lo- called YouTube. This is your project. And you go, no, this sucks. And then they're like, well, you're doing it. And then it yeah. becomes YouTube. It's like, you can do it or you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> And Roham hates it when I tell that story that way. He was never shitty like that. Like, he's never... It just yeah. makes a better story when more arbitrary. But no, he was like... 
we think this is a really big idea. We think this is really important. We want to put a lot of resources into this, and you have got a mind that will bring a fresh perspective to this set of problems. So I would very mm-hmm. much like you to apply your mind to that set of problems. And then I tell the story a lot, but I went into the woods, metaphorically, possibly literally, and I came back mm-hmm. with three truths. One mm-hmm. was I'd always wanted to build a gardening game, mm-hmm. uh, like with flowers and birds, and you didn't know what color flowers you'd get or what birds would come, and you're collecting bird songs, but it all depended on planting the seed and then unknown outcomes. Unknown right. outcomes was really interesting, and that's like at the core of what made CryptoKitties interesting. Mm-hmm. And two, I just think that cats are opt out uh not opt in for the internet like mm-hmm. outside of porn cat gets more video consumption <laughs> than anything online it always has cats are the most popular thing on youtube blah blah, blah. um especially before fucking influencers sure and third i'd seen CryptoPunks, and it was the first mm-hmm. time where i was like oh like, I never bought no Bitcoin. I never bought no Ethereum. I never figured out how to go through the KYC of it all or any of it, all that bullshit. But when I mm-hmm. seen a Wonder Woman looking CryptoPunk, I was like, okay, I will totally mm-hmm. give you $35 for that. Sure. Uh, and so I did. And then I went back to work and I was like, listen, cats and genetic game and CryptoPunks, let's make cats fuck to mine Bitcoin. <laughs> and Dieter, who I worked with, was like, uh, that like... That doesn't actually make any sense. You're just mm-hmm. making shit up. But there's a different thing than Bitcoin called Ethereum. And I could create a new standard for Ethereum. I could try to. I could make a proposal and run it mm-hmm. through the community and vet it and get it improved. Because, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. Sure. And uh, he said, if we do that, then you can do cat fucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so we did. I tell people I'm the crypto part of Crypto Kitties. No, I'm the kitty part. I'm not the crypto part. There I'm we the go. <laughs> and also, um, I was the problem that led to the 721 standard. I was not the solution. I ain't nearly mm-hmm. smart enough to figure that shit out. But I could be right. like, we should make ass fuck. There is, yeah, you you are self-professed not good at computers, yet I found an interview with you online in AMA from 2017 where you were already talking about smart contracts. You're already talking about governance. You're, you're using all of these terms that everybody's an expert in now, but nobody had heard of in by the end of 2019, right? So was this something that you had to just absorb because all of these people around you were like, Mac, you've got to learn this. You run this game now. Or was this something, was it like a slow roll to become an expert in these things? I'm pretty slow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dieter is a very smart dude. And yeah. also... Um, good at explaining things to be honest like one of Dieter's strengths is that he he really understands a lot of complex technical things but he also understands the mind of the muggle he ain't Mm -hmm. one but he he mostly gets it and so uh yeah I really like I would say Dieter taught me a ton there's a bunch of other very um smart people who worked on crypto kitties and worked on 721 standard and blah 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 Mm -hmm. but I was spending a lot of time with Dieter and he was very patient in helping me get there that's great. That's great. So when did you know that this thing was actually working? Because I've been around for game launches more than once. And generally, day one, you're like, it's never what you want on day one unless you have a $100 million marketing budget, right? Day two, you might see a little bit of an upward trajectory downward. You're kind of like, every person is precious, right? Every crash report is precious. When did you have that moment where you're like, oh my God, people are actually making these cats fuck? Uh, so there was a couple, um, we went to East Waterloo, which was, 
like a conference for Ethereum. Mm -hmm. and Vitalik was there and the reason we went is because we knew everybody would be there it was the only place on earth where you could physically gather everybody involved in the team or a bunch of people yeah. and so four people went there Jordan oh shit I forgot Jordan last time I told the story Jordan mm -hmm. who was like a third year um, like university computer engineering student who ended up being a significant contributor to this <laughs> Jordan's story should be told but uh, mm -hmm. Jordan and Arthur and Benny and Fabiano all went and mm -hmm. they didn't even have tickets to get in. They just stood out front and begged to be let in. And they eventually got let in. I have no idea how because I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And they brought tie-dye shirts and fucking balloons and stickers and just like shenanigans because Benny's like that in the best way. They had a little demo. The site wasn't there yet. And I think there's only four cats. And one of the things that made CryptoKitties work was this um, progressively slower cycle by which you had to wait to see the output of your results. Right. Like the fifth time a cat fucked, it took a day. And the ninth time, it took a week or some shit. Right. Uh, none of that was in place. Like, you could just press the button and get instant. Oh, I got a new cat. I got a new cat. I got a new cat. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, um, Motherboard, the Vice publication was there. And they wrote a thing about it. And that was like, huh? <laughs> Who knew? I thought that might be, like, the peak of it. But I was, I was like, that's cool. That's weird. Look, Mom, mm -hmm. I made Vice. Uh, <laughs> and then that was like... I, I feel like that was like a month before we were supposed to launch. And then mm -hmm. in that month, we had a private Telegram group because Discord mm -hmm. wasn't really a thing that people were using. Right. And uh, that started to get fun and exciting. And it was like, oh, this is what a beta is supposed to be like. I've never mm -hmm. successfully had a beta for a software product before. I, I, I've participated in them, but I have never run the product with a successful beta. But as we're going through that, it was like, oh, yeah, this this seems... This smells right. Like there's people right. every day who are asking how we're doing and if we're on schedule and what's exciting. Mm -hmm. And then the day before we launched, there was a dude who said, this feels like Christmas. I haven't been this excited since I was a child. Wow. Like, well, that's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What a terrible childhood. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and all those things came together and then we launched and like Ethereum melted. Mm -hmm. uh, sold right. a bunch of very expensive cats, which I would tell people now you're used to because NFTs are NFTs. But at the time, nothing like that ever happened. We sold a right. thousand dollar well, cat, and that was just like fucking nuts. right. Yeah, when I remember, even at the time, I mean, I was not, and I will never pretend I was into blockchain at that time. But I was into games and I was into technology, so I was reading the reports of it. And I, I think there was one that sold for what one hundred eighty thousand dollars somewhere along the line, something like that. That yeah. and at the it was I. I I was confused and scared by that. I, w I wonder if the team internally was confused and scared once numbers get to that level. By the time 180 came around, we were used to it. It was the $30,000 one that was like, <laughs> oh, shit. Right. Oh, no. And to be clear, like, this was not a smooth uh, journey. Like, mm -hmm. Ethereum was melting. The neckbeards were furious. Right. Uh, I remember there was some poor fucking guy at MetaMask in customer support who had had a baby that weekend. And mm -hmm. it was also the weekend where we, like, I sound like an arrogant prick, but we took down Ethereum. Right. Uh, we weren't trying to. That was not on purpose. That was by mistake. But 25% of transactions during the peak on the entire network were cat breeding and cat buying. <laughs> I up. love it. Uh, and, yeah, this poor guy at MetaMask, I remember him being like, my wife is in labor. I don't give a fuck. I don't have time for this. <laughs> and yet all of Ethereum, and maybe you know how uh, demanding those folks can be. Sure. Like, no, sure. no, fix our problem. That Let's has not changed. Yeah. 
has not changed. I love it. So you launched this, you raised uh, $27 million behind it. Um, At that point, were you raising money with the expectation that this was going to be Crypto Kitties for life? Or were you raising that to build out the EA of the future? Uh, Yeah, we always, like going through that first experience with the crypto kitties, it became pretty clear to us pretty quickly that there were three opportunities Mm -hmm. um, that need to be tackled. So the assumption is that consumer crypto, playful entertainment, blockchain should exist. And we were well positioned to help birth it, but that there was three real problems. One was you need to have good content. People aren't going to mm-hmm. come give a fuck about your decentralization if you don't give them a cool-looking carrot. Right. So you had to have a good carrot. You had to solve accessibility because MetaMask, like, MetaMask is awesome, and MetaMask works very well now. Five years ago, it was a new product, <laughs> and there was a lot of room for improvement and iteration sure. and that kind of thing. So accessibility in that sense of the word, like just letting people understand, you know, KYC and Coinbase or whatever you're doing, and then MetaMask, and all the steps. Most of those steps have not been solved. It's still fucking right. hard to get started. That's a fact. And then scalability. It was like, oh, look, we like with these dumbass cats. And honestly, there wasn't that many people using them or collecting them. Mm-hmm. We we sort of took down the network. And it was like, okay, so if, we, if we're serious about this, like if I go get Beyonce on the blockchain, mm-hmm. this shit is over. Like it's over, over. Right. We'll never come back. And so that that good content, accessibility, and scalability became the three-pronged approach of Dapper. And I think we probably raised money talking about that. Right. And, and every, that so everybody Flow saw and Dapper Wallet right. and Top Shot. Right, totally. So what about the in-between time, though? I don't want to cut straight to Top Shot because 2018, crypt, crypto winter A, I guess, or maybe Z, depending on how long you've been in the market. But but crypto winter happens. Uh, crypto Kitties at that point had, it was like, what, five, 400, 500 daily active users at that point. So it kind of went through a little bit of a cycle. But we, we know that the story has a happy ending, so nobody feel too bad about it. But what was everybody thinking during 2018? Don't look at the numbers. Don't look at the numbers. Don't look at the numbers. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It sucked. It sucked watching yeah. it die slowly and not knowing what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's lots of people who are mad at Dapper, mad at me, mad at Crypto Kitties. They have no idea how much we fucking care. They have no right. idea how much we would be willing to do. I'd give you my fucking name on my third born. I would chop mm. up my finger and consider left testicle to keep that <laughs> thing going well. Um, now, we had enough, um, you know, what's the expression? Gas in the tank, wind in the sails, that it wasn't like, it wasn't an existential threat to us right. as a business, but just to this product and community that we loved. Uh, right. So... We kept trying to innovate and iterate on CryptoKitties, and I don't think we did a particularly good job of that. Uh, and we came up with new shit. They were like, Mac, you've got the touch. Do a new one. So I was like, oh, do I? Okay, let's try this. And we made Cheese Wizards, which was a fucking failure uh, and was supposed to be based on Highlander because that's like my second favorite show. There we go. Time. I love Highlander. Duncan McLeod and Glenn McLeod. I could yeah. go get my Cheese Wizards shirt for you right now and show you. The, <laughs> the slogan of Cheese Wizards is there can be only one. The there we middle... go. That's that's good with the whole non-fungibility angle. Yes. There was, <laughs> yeah, and there was actually. Yeah, was like, uh, that one didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kept iterating on Crypto Kitties and trying to invent games to play around it and stuff, but none of it moved the needle. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, eventually they were like, go go get them basketball people to come do this with us. Which is shocking that that's the move from things aren't moving to go get a sports league on board because sports leagues notoriously hard for licensing, protective of their brand. How the hell could anybody go from that to, hey, NBA, let's go do something on a, a, a blockchain that others view as confusing and scary? Um, I can spend some time talking about like how smart and cool we are and why that works, but I think a lot mm-hmm. of credit goes to the NBA. Like, because right. you're exactly right. Why the fuck would yeah, that's a daring. global top five brand <laughs> go get involved with this high-risk, very mm-hmm. confusing technology with a tiny user base relative to mm-hmm. the imprint, uh, the footprint that they have on the world? Like, it really, there's a woman named Stacy there who was mm-hmm. the original point of contact. And I don't know if anybody's asked about this, but, like, she deserves a fucking medal. I feel mm-hmm. like... I feel like she was a significant part of this story and probably not a part that gets told a lot. But Mm -hmm. on our side, there was a woman named Katie who we worked with. And Katie was not a nerd. Uh, Mm -hmm. Katie had worked at NFL, NHL, and ESPN. I think she'd worked at those three spots. Um, She felt weird at Dapper Labs or at Zach Team Zen at the time. She was like... You guys are just fucking nerds. You're all nerds. I'm not a nerd. I'm like, okay, you probably stop saying that because you're offending literally everybody around you. But Katie is cool as shit. Katie, Mm. I will take a bullet for. Not Mm. in the heart. I got kids. But like two in the arm for sure. Uh, And she knows a lot about sports. A lot, a lot. And and the business of sports. And when CryptoKitties blew up, um, we had a lot of people reach out to us and talk to us. And, like, want to do things. Everybody wanted to do things. Mm-hmm. But uh, me and Katie went to New York. And we walked into the NBA's office. We had a deck that was no graphics, just, like, black fucking aerial font on white backgrounds. Sure. And we were like, this is this is obviously a really good idea, NBA. And me and Katie's <laughs> dynamic is weird. I'd get really fucking crazy. And then she would, these are her words, not mine, but she would be the business bitch, the basic business mm-hmm. bitch. And she would, like... She'd have her lady suit on, and I'd start mm. getting really worked off, and i get that way, and then she'd be like, Max, sit down and let me close it. And I'd be like, yes, ma'am. And then, <laughs> and they needed this. They needed to know right. that we had like visions of the future, and that also mm. we could execute against those visions. And me and Katie did a really good job of communicating that duality. Because, yeah. to be clear, it was true. Like, it worked out. Um, oh, yeah. Well, so, it became a multi-billion dollar line of business for them in a market that when it launched was not a market. I mean, it was yeah. a market for crypto. And like there was, I, I don't want to say that there was no blockchain collectibles in between. Like I, I know what Lucid Sight was doing some interesting games. There was people doing some interesting things. There was the baseball but, thing. There was these bobblehead and then yeah. the MLB things. There was some cool stuff, but like nothing to the scale and explosive popularity of an NBA top shot. So. Yep. But, but to your point, like we tell these stories of the air quotes winners, but that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of bodies of fucking heroes in the field sure. as well. There's many interesting <laughs> people doing much interesting work um, that just didn't have the same, you know, series of lucky connections that we did. And so we're telling our story, not theirs, but that is not to detract from their story. 
Oh yeah, I remember in 2019 there was a Star Trek game. Any Star Trek game that comes out, I'll give it a try. That was minting play, like ships on a on a blockchain. And I'm like, this is really cool. And a buddy of mine worked there, and I minted a ship, and just nobody was on it, so I stopped playing. But it it's prescient because back now I see Recur is essentially doing the same thing three yeah. years later, and, and I'm like, Viacom wow, they were on the crazy In the you same know? way that the NBA was crazy, why yeah. the fuck was Viacom doing that? God bless right. them. I love Star yeah. Trek. I will fight for hours about, like, nuance of Star Trek. Sure. I was shocked that they were doing that, and because, because they aren't. Like, you know, I really, really like um, Skybound. Skybound is yeah. a comic and entertainment company. They yeah. make a thing called Walking Dead. And sure. they will let anybody have a run at Walking Dead. They always have. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. it's part of how they do it, and it's working very well for them. Mm-hmm. But Star Trek is not that. Star Trek is right. is, is precious about their shit. That's and a sixty-five no idea... year history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I hadn't <laughs> thought of it that way. But yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that is surprising that they were doing that work. Also, you know, loosely they were too early or it wasn't quite good enough or whatever because right. we're talking about Top Shot, not about Star Trek right now. Exactly. But then, of course, Top Shot blew up and then everybody entered the business. VC funding galore. Everybody's got their own chain. But you guys launch Flow. Or Flow was kind of there. Was Flow just was Flow developed and then Top Shot on top of that? What was the order of operations there? I think we always knew that Top Shot had to be built on Flow. Right. Because of that scalability problem. And like, right. there are other ways to solve scalability. People who are blockchain enthusiasts would come here and argue with me about side chains and L2 chains and fucking mm. Solana and all these things. And right. I wouldn't argue with them. I'm not informed enough to say so. I would say that um, Layer 1 Ethereum was absolutely not going to be the answer. Right. And then people smarter than I decided that Flow would be the answer. And I mm-hmm. wasn't able to have an opinion that mattered on that. Well, now you're you have since left, and you're out on your own. Can you, especially? I mean, God, it feels like you're touching a lot of projects. Like you were part of Stoner Cats, right? And that was another explosive game. Yep. Now everyone in Hollywood talks about Stoner Cats in terms of funding. So where did where did that come about? How'd you get involved? Mm. I was putting together a small round for Big Head. I don't mm-hmm. always tell the story this way, but it's true. Uh, I was putting together a small round for Big Head, and I said, uh, it was close, like we had all the money we needed, and I looked around the table, and I was like, man, every one of you has a dick. Like, you are mm-hmm. all penis motherfuckers. And um, the thing that like straight middle-aged white men with undue privilege in technology are supposed to do is extend the privilege. This is that moment. It is exactly at this moment that I'm supposed to stop, look around, and be like, hold on, hold on. And so I talked to all my investors, and I was like, hey, I want you to think of women in your network who would add a ton of value as investors who I should talk to. And so some of them did. There's a guy named Kelvin Beecham who's a fucking goat. That guy has done more for me than almost anybody else. Mm -hmm. And he introduced me to a bunch of really interesting women. And one of them was named Maria who works at sound and mm-hmm. Maria is friends with Mila. So me and Maria ended up becoming very good friends. Um, she's like, she's good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but while we were talking and hanging out and stuff, she kept being like, Mila is going to make stoner cats. And 
we're really excited about figuring out how NFTs could be leveraged to make Stoner Cats matter. And they had all these ideas, and I kept being like, no, 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 don't do that. That's a bad idea. This is a bad idea. And then eventually, Mario was like, God, I'm sick of being the middlewoman. Come meet Mila, and like, let's figure out if we can do this. Met Mila, and was like, wow, you, you actually care about this shit, and you're pretty like good at this, and you're smart, and um, it would be an honor to work with you. And so we signed up, and then we made the Stoner Cats NFTs. That's fantastic. And tell me a little bit about now now you're at Big Head Club. I imagine with an evolution like Scrappy Startup becomes sto- or becomes Crypto Kitties, take a ride, grows astronomically. It's always hard to leave a company once it's grown that astronomically, but now you're you're back at Big Head Club. What was the vision there? What 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 did you think that you can get done there that you couldn't get done when you were over at Dapper? In between the two, I made games. I just left Dapper to go make games again. And then while I was making games, I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. Let's (laughs) go. I called a friend of mine who I check in with semi-regularly. And I was like, we're just talking. His name is John Howard. And he said, Mac, I want to spend this year using my engineering skills to help artists have a wild ride in Web3. I want to change artists' lives using this Mm -hmm. blockchain technology. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to do the same thing. But my, my first artist is this Grammy award-winning rapper that I'm that I'm actually going to make an NFT with. And we never made that NFT, which is very good. That would have been a bad idea in, in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I told him that, and he's like, oh, like, we're doing the same thing. We have a different set of skills. You have the craziest network of anybody I've ever met, and I can actually make things happen. So why don't we team up? And I was like, John Howard, I would be fucking honored. Uh, but before that happened, actually, my sister-in-law, who's always been interested in my professional um, rodeo, mm-hmm. uh, fucking circus, whatever you want to call this, when she heard I was starting Big Head, she sent me an email and she's like, dude, like, you're not doing this one alone. I'm fucking coming. Just figure out how to make room for me because I want to be a part of this. And so... Me and Christy and John got this business going, and then we did the Stoner Cats NFT, and we staffed up a little bit, and now there's 10 of us, and we're making strange and marvelous NFTs that stand the test of time. I love that. I love to hear it, especially taking it from a creative angle. You shockingly don't hear that as much, right? So much stuff in blockchain feels like taken from a business opportunity standpoint right we're gonna be the premier destination for blank 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 and a blank 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 right but somebody's saying we're just creative people we're gonna do cool stuff that's rare which is weird thinking of where this all began which is like these renegade pirate like i'm outside the like the the blockchain for god's sakes was started by somebody who was essentially trying to take down traditional economic systems so it's the genesis block right so do you think that that's what's gonna be your your secret sauce here is your focused on cool experiences for people rather than verticals? Um, The thing that we are trying to use as a North Star is to always uh, advance the medium. We would like Mm. to, in everything that we do, do something that has not been done before and make sure that the methods by which we did that are available to everybody else. Um, That seems like the really big, interesting way that we can move forward in this space. We're not going to be able to afford to be absolutely militant about that. It's not life or death on every single one. But our guiding principle is this idea that, like, we should do shit that has not been done before. Um, Mm -hmm. And to be honest, like, CryptoKitties was truly, I want to make a game about fucking cats. And Mm -hmm. then, because of the brilliance of Dieter and others, 
we created a standard that other people could build against. You don't right. get to just be weird and leave it at weird and be like, okay, yeah, I know, that's a great idea. But you can find the edges with weird, and then if you can standardize the right edge, that's the massive opportunity. So we're going to go keep playing and poking and kicking and having hypotheses and experimenting and testing against those hypotheses. And when we um, find things that are worth standardizing, I look forward to doing that again because I think that is an immense, immense opportunity. That's awesome. Well, it feels like a good place to leave it. We actually burned through our half hour. It's been such a fascinating talk. What do you want to tease? Is there anything coming up people should look out for? Uh, one of the boring things about NFTs is how much time people spend insularly just like fucking with their own community and not others. That's one of our observations. And so we are making a way for NFT communities to play together. That is called Boat Game. That is coming soon. Not now, but soon. So look out for Boat Game. Um, go get yourself an Oni Ronin. Oni Ronin.io. I swear to God, they're the best NFTs around and nobody knows it. Uh, and besides that, be nice to each other. I love that. Thank you so much, Mac. Appreciate hearing your story. Have a great one. This episode of NFT Stories Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Phil Ranta. Theme music is by Mike Constantini, and we're made possible by our friends at We Are Verified. This episode has now officially been minted. See you at the next drop. This episode of the NFT Stories podcast is supported by We Are Verified, a leading digital creator management and creator services company. If you're looking for help on your next influencer marketing campaign, or if you're a creator looking for help on your business, or if you need a creator service like building an NFT campaign, recording your podcast, or optimizing your subscription platform community through Brand Army or OnlyFans, reach out to them at wave.la. That's W-A-V.la. Please note, I do work directly with We Are Verified as an advisor, but that's one of the reasons I know they're so dang good.